I was encouraged by someone to, when I began, tell you a little bit about myself. So you know that I was in the Army um, <coughs> three years, and, but you didn't know, I don't tell very many people, before, before I went into the Army, I got my pilot's license. And um, so every pilot has a story to tell. Is that not true? I have a story to tell. And um, it actually is just kind of an advice to you. If you are ever flying in a small, single-engine aircraft, and you come into a landing at the North Platte, Nebraska airport, <laughs> once you touch down, you can't even see the end of the runway. It's a jet runway. Once you touch down, do not apply the brakes. <laughs> because you may find out that in this aircraft you've never flown in before, they had to switch them out before you took your cross country. You may find out that those brakes are defective. <laughs> and only one of them will grip, and it will spin you out off the runway, you will shear off a runway light and land in an alpha field. <laughs> That's my advice to you. That's okay, 4-1 Tango. Just shut her down there. We'll be out to get you. <laughs> and they were. So I have my pilot's license. Um, they didn't take it away. Okay. Um, but it's not current, so please don't ask me to take you up for a ride. After that story, you probably wouldn't want to anyhow. <laughs> but I do hope and I do pray that you will fly with me, if you would, tonight through this word. So let's engage with the Holy Spirit and pray. Father, <coughs> I commit myself to you. I commit myself to these people. I commit myself to honoring the word that you have given to me. And I pray, Father, that as I speak and as I share this word, that I will speak your heart. And if there's any chaff, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would just blow it away, but that the heart of the Father would be heard in this word. And Father, I pray for those who are hearing that they would hear your heart, Father, and that our hearts would beat with yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I, I don't usually do this. I'm pretty an off-the-cuff kind of person, but this word, as I said, was given to me several months ago, and it has been formulating in me for a long time, and it has not been easy to put together, and quite honestly, it may not be easy for you to hear. Okay. But because I want to honor the word, um, I know that my words are in here, but I'm going to just, I might even be reading a lot to you tonight. Okay, so please bear with me. I know the word, I understand the word, but I want to impart it fully to you. And also, I want to honor time. <laughs> I can't see the clock, by the way, but... Um, 
Nice excuse, right? <laughs> However, I want to honor time and um, honor the word, honor time. Sometimes there's a little give and take there. But so anyhow, that being said, let us begin. Okay. Last year, um, conservative evangelicals won a tremendous victory in this nation. Now, I'm not talking about the election of Trump. But I'm talking about the victory of 84 million evangelical Christians rising up and going to the polls and voting. 84 million. That was, I don't even think that happened with Reagan. Okay? So that was a great victory, okay, for this nation. But, and then there was, you know, you couldn't even see them all during the inauguration. Where are we now? Can somebody please tell me where the church is now? I want to suggest to you that the church is in the same place it was <coughs> when the Bibles were taken out of our schools. The church is in the same place it was when prayer was taken out of our schools and the Ten Commandments were pulled out of our public spaces. The church is in the same place it was when abortion became the law of this land. And we're approaching 60 million babies murdered in this nation alone. I would suggest that the church was busy being the church and had neglected being Christ. It seems to me that we are back in our churches satisfied that those we elected will lead this nation back to its Christian foundations. That could be not be further from the truth. How, how foolish can we think? We no longer have a Christian government. That's how it began, but we no longer have that. So how on earth can we expect to elect men and women into a secular government and expect them to bring this nation back to the bedrock foundations of covenant roots with our Lord Jesus Christ and with our Father. How could we expect that? We seem comfortable expecting that. Next time we'll go vote. Maybe. The foundations of our nation have been under siege and have been being corroded for decades. Now, at this point, it's not just going to take intercession. We need intercession. It's not just going to take builders. We need builders. It's going to take warriors. Because, you see, our, our world is at war. Our nation is at war. Now, the church is often warring against itself. Okay? But... Our communities are at war, and the church is wanting peace. We want peace, 
at any price. And I want to tell you, that is called appeasement. And the enemy loves it. And God hates it. We will never appease our enemy. <coughs> we are facing demonic forces that have been ruling over our nation for decades and who are now arrogantly and openly challenging the right of the church to rule over America. They're challenging, quite frankly, they're challenging our right to exist in our culture. Not openly, anyhow. No, you can't do that. Okay? You have to do this. Britain just arrested Christians for preaching in the streets. You know why? Because reading the word of God was an offense. It was offensive. They were arrested. There are those in the church, however, who have dug in deep to find the very foundations of our nation that have been hidden for a long, long time. And they and I now are seeking to reveal what has been lost to this generation. Namely, America was established as a Christian nation. with godly, covenantal roots. Not just prayer roots, people. Covenantal roots. Let's look a little bit at um, how that came to pass, the Mayflower Compact. <coughs> In the name of God, this, they wrote this before they even came onto shore, but they were at the shore. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country, that was England and their king, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these presents, solemnly and mutually, in the presence of God and of one another, covenant and combine ourselves together into a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid. Now the ends aforesaid, you can go back and look at that, the ends aforesaid were the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In 1607, the pilgrims landed at Cape Henry and they planted a cross. Pilgrim Robert Hunt said, from these very shores, the gospel shall go forth to not only this new world, but to the entire world. 
prophetic declaration of the scripture by John Winthrop in 1630. Matthew 5, 14. Jesus speaking to his disciples, ye, you disciples, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then our founding fathers, George Washington, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. John Adams, the highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. My, 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 hasn't the devil drawn a line? We need to erase that line. I tell you, covenant with God is eternal. That covenant back then, it's alive today. America is a Christian nation. It always has been, and it always will be. What it looks like today can be laid at the feet of the church. The Bible mentions Satan as the god of this world and as the prince of the powers of the air. Ephesians 2.2 In which, the darkness, in which you formerly walked, formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We formerly walked there. Are we sons and daughters of disobedience? We might disobey sometimes, but our spirit man is alive in Christ. Satan has no rule over us as believers. He's not our God, people. John 12, 30 and 31, speaking to his disciples about his coming death, which they couldn't figure out for a long time, but anyhow, Jesus cried out to the Father and asked him to glorify him. And the Father answered in an audible voice. In response, Jesus said, this voice was not, Jesus answered and said, this voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. <clears throat> 31, now. Can you say now? Now. now? now. Jesus told the disciples, now. now. Judgment is upon this world. Now. The prince of this world will be cast out. What now was Jesus talking about? The now of the cross. 
It was at the cross where everything was brought back into order. But let's be, so let's be clear. God is sovereign over all. Believers are no longer under the rule of Satan. Colossians 1.13. <clears throat> For he has rescued us from the dominion or the authority or the rule of darkness. And he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We have been transferred. Okay. It's not a back and forth situation. Okay. We have been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. <coughs> it is in fact we, the believers, who have been given authority over all the kingdoms of this world. There's a chain of command Jesus took back. We have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But before I, before I go through that chain of the command, excuse me, I want to tell you something. Please listen carefully. Satan is controlling our culture. How can this be? He has no authority. He has no authority except what is given to him. Okay? And the church, we, have given him a lot of authority. Because you see, there's only two things you can do with authority. You can walk in it, or by default, give it away. Those are your only two options with authority. Those are our only two options, to walk in it or give it away. So let's just look at, nail down once and for all, the truths of our authority in Christ. In Genesis 1, 26 and 28, we know this story, but let's look at it. <coughs> we read God's command. Everybody say command. God didn't suggest. He didn't say, hey, look, Adam and Eve. I, if you want to, I think you could do this. <laughs> no, I, I think you can. Okay. Or, um, you know, I suggest you might want to try this. <laughs> yeah, see if you like it. No, no, no. He commanded. <coughs> he commanded Adam and Eve. Okay. Then God said, let us, Elohim, the fullness of God, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. In what we look like and in our character. And let them rule. Before we go on, I, I actually looked up that word rule. Do you know what that <laughs> word means? It means rule. <laughs> it could also mean govern, but it means rule. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky. I got the fish up here, okay? The fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, 
and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. You see, there was a world outside of Eden. It's another story, but subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, here's a small but very important com comment. If you are... If you're taking notes, please write this down. If you're not, write it in your heart. This is so important. After Elohim gave the command to rule and subdue, he walked with them. We are to subdue and rule from a position of intimacy. He doesn't expect us to rule and subdue otherwise. But, as we know, <coughs> they believe the serpent, instead of standing on the word of God, Adam and Eve gave their authority to Satan. And we know by the conversation between Jesus and Satan in the wilderness, Jesus did not refute that Satan had command over the kingdoms of this world because um, in Matthew 4, 8 through 10, we read, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, Christ, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Jesus warred against Satan with the word. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But, I love God's butts. Jesus legally and eternally took back authority over all the kingdoms of this world. So let's look at what happened. In Colossians 2:14 and 15. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it, the certificate, out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. <coughs> 
When he, Christ, what did he do? He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He disarmed them. They didn't get those armaments back. He disarmed them. He made a public display of them. Talk about shame. Having triumphed over them through the cross. It says him, but through the cross. Then in 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God, who always leads who? Us. He leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us and manifests through us and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. I would, I would give a little homework. I have a little bit of teacher in me, a little bit of homework. When you have a chance, Colossians. Read through Colossians in circle. Every time it says, in him, in him, in Christ, in Jesus, in him, you will be blessed. And you will be brought, hopefully, to a revelation of where we are in Christ. I didn't give this to you, Math, uh, Chad. It's uh, very short. In Matthew 16, 19, some of you are taking notes. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus told his disciples, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. When he took them, he gave them. He said, I will give them to you. We aren't going to need them when we meet him in the by and by. We need them here. <clears throat> then look what happens next in Matthew 28. Oh, did you get that up there? You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you did. You need to give him a raise. <laughs> All right. Matthew 28, 18. <clears throat> we know this. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth, I did just give you 18. Therefore, you know this, therefore, go. Therefore, go. How, how are you going to go? You're going to go with the authority. Jesus didn't say, I've got authority, you go. No. Listen, listen, I've got authority. I've given you the keys. Let's go. Okay. He's in the deal. He's in the transaction. Okay. Now, what was one of the results of this transaction? In Acts 4.13, now as they observed, 
the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Are people around us amazed when we come into our classrooms, into our offices? Now, the world wouldn't know, oh, wow, they've been with Jesus. They wouldn't know that. But are they amazed? Like, oh, do they recognize we've been with Jesus? Peter was recognized as having been with Jesus, and the world was set on fire. Don't miss this, Clayton. You're going to love it. (laughs) You're going to love it. 120 people left. A room set on fire by the Holy Spirit. A room set on fire and not consumed. Does that sound like something that happened some other time? Only these people were set on fire. 120 people. We have more than that in this congregation, right? 120 people. So we're going to look at what happened when 120 people set the world on fire. Chad. Now, as he's getting ready for you to watch this, oh, no, I'll just stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it does go really fast. It does. It does. You're going to have to watch it. That's why I want to tell you something about it, okay? It's going to start with the Roman Empire because that's when Jesus and the disciples came on the scene. It's going to start there. And it's going to go real fast up until 2016. A couple of things I want you to watch and and pay attention to. I want you to pay attention to what happens when the church goes forward. But also pay attention, people, to what happens when the church retreats. Lights off. Let's go. Why does Christianity? 120 people. Byzantine Empire, but that white is Christianity. Islamic rule started, and the Tang Dynasty. White is leaving but not giving up. (coughs) Look at Islamic rule, okay? Look at the Mongols. But you can't keep a good man down. (laughs) It's still Christianity and Islamic rule, people. So watch the white. Watch the white in North and South America. Communism, no white, but you can't keep a good man down. 
2016. Weiss retreated a little bit. But I'm telling you, lights please, you cannot keep a good man down. Yes, I'm going to touch on that, Pastor, because you said it, and I believe it. The church is lacking no divine royal authority. He didn't hold back anything. He gave his son. He didn't hold back anything. But man, I hate man's butts. We as a body are not walking in that authority. All the good things are happening. Yes, they are, and they should be. This is not an either or. This is not stop this, do that. Okay? Good things are happening. Isaiah tells us this is the fast that he has chosen to do good, to feed the poor, to clothe the naked, visit the sick, and those in jail. But we must begin to be like the workers in Nehemiah. <coughs> This is a Nehemiah time. We are living, I believe, in a Nehemiah moment. That's what I believe. As they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, they worked with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. And they did not let up their diligence day or night. Let's look at Nehemiah 4, 17 through 23. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword, his sword girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. I just have this feeling that maybe what this message is being given to me is a trumpet. I said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. I like the church separated far from one another. But at at whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, Rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night in Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I... My brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon, even to the water. Now, once they set their minds and set their hearts on building and Fighting, the wall was built in 52 days. 52 days. But we have an enemy who hates us. 
He hates us. He hates our children. He hates our Bible. He hates. And he is wreaking havoc over America. He's stealing our rights and liberties. He's stealing our inheritance. He's stealing our hope and peace. He is killing our unborn through abortion and our youth through drugs and violence on the streets. He has been for decades destroying the very foundation of our nation, destroying the very history of this nation by placing revisionist textbooks in our schools and universities and placing ungodly teachers and professors over our children. Fathers were commanded to teach their children. So the enemy got rid of a lot of fathers. And then the fathers that were, and the mothers that still remain, they got so busy here. Government system, take our children. If you don't, he's placing ungodly men and women in our government and even in our churches. And the whole point is to reform the minds of our children. And if you don't think that's true, then at this time, polls have been taken, and I think it was these statistics are from the Pew poll, 70 to 85% of our youth are leaving the church after high school. We're losing our youth, people. Who has been allowing this to happen? Is this and more not enough for the church to say enough? I tell you the truth. We are on the brink I am not being overdramatic here. I can be, but I'm not. We are on the brink of losing our nation to the forces of darkness not seen since the Holocaust. We are on the brink of losing our nation to forces of darkness not seen since the Holocaust. Shortly before the Holocaust, the Jews were warned to get out of Germany, (coughs) but they were comfortable. And they were doing fine. And uh, a man had suddenly arisen among them who was turning their broken economy around. Then suddenly, It cannot happen here. America's too big. We're too strong as a nation. And we are comfortable. We, for a fact, are standing on shifting sand. Unless the church arises and takes back this land. Or America, too, is going to have her suddenly. 
many are going to believe, many are believing, okay? Many are going to believe, many are believing and praying for and wanting and longing for a revival. And they even, we even use the term, uh, revival's going to hit. You got to get ready, okay? We're longing for a great awakening. We need a great awakening. Now, you think about revival. You revive someone who's, who's unconscious, right? You revive someone who's just not really with it. You have to be revived. Awakening means there's somebody asleep, right? You got to wake them up. The church at this point, oh, I forgot to tell you. Big C, little C. When I say the church, I mean the church. Okay, universal church, big C, okay. I am, however, in front of us, okay? But <coughs> the church is weak and sleeping at this point. And unless we fight, unless we war with everything that is within us, who's within us? Christ in us, our hope of glory, right? The word of the, s- the word of the Lord, the Holy One, the Spirit of the Lord is within us, right? But unless we war with everything that is within us, we will not see revival. We will not experience a great awakening. There's an encouragement to warfare, however. In battle, you become stronger. Okay? So if we pick up our armor, and if we start warring, we're going to get stronger. And it's that battling and fighting the forces of darkness with what is in us and the weapons of our warfare, we will become strong and we will have a mighty revival because (coughs) then we will be able to handle it. But the church, I'm sorry, is not ready right now. So God's looking for a generation. A generation is all those people alive at a certain time, okay? So this generation. It's also a cohort of people like the millennials, okay? That's a generation. God is looking for a generation that will rule in the midst of her enemies. He is looking for a generation that will say enough and become an Ephesians 6 people. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And put on. You know, everything we put on in that armor, everything we put on is Christ. Mary said we wore from a position of intimacy. We weren't given aprons, people. We weren't given business suits. We weren't given ball gowns. We were given armor. There's only one need for armor. And it's not parade armor. It's to go into battle. And put it on. Put on truth, Christ. Put on the gospel of peace that shatters darkness. Peace that shatters chaos. Not 
peace, peace. Righteousness. We put on our righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Put it on. That's who I am. The helmet of salvation. We are saved. Our heads are covered. That crown of thorns did a work for us. Our minds are covered. We have a helmet. We have a shield of faith. That shield, it's not just a buckler. It's a shield. And it is to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. He's throwing them, people. He's throwing them. He's throwing them. This shield. He is our shield and our strength. We lift it by faith. Christ shields us in the war against the fiery darts of the enemy. And the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? Those are our weapons. It is Christ who is in us and on us. He is our victor. However, we are commanded to do everything to stand. And then stand firm. We must be courageous enough to take up our full armor and fight. We must pull down strongholds that have been entrenched in our land for decades. They are entrenched in our land. And we're to pull them down. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, here we are. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now notice it didn't say we do not war. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We have been given weapons that are divinely powerful to the destruction of forces, fortresses. And we are destroying speculations. Paul said this, we are destroying speculations. Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Yes. That arrogant horn. Yes, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Almost done. <laughs> so the question remains, will we be that generation? Will we be a people, a body, the church, that will choose to live holy, fear God, and see things from a biblical worldview? Will we be that pivotal generation that takes this nation, and by the way, as America goes, so goes the world. I didn't say that before, I don't know. Will we be that pivotal generation that takes our nation from darkness and shifts it into light?
we will either be a godly Christian nation or this great experiment called America will have failed. I believe and I declare we will not fail. In Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, we read that <coughs> for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, hmm, Jesus. And the government, the government will rest on his shoulders. I will just, well, it's all good. It's all good. I just didn't have it all in my notes. And his name will be called, in the New English translation, the NAT, it says, Extraordinary Strategist <laughs> for Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Extraordinary Strategist, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. That's all I had on that. There will be no end to the increase of his government. The question remains, will we be the generation that sees it manifest in the earth? Will we be that generation? We will be if we recognize we are at war. And we choose to embrace our authority in Christ. And we take up the weapons of our warfare and fight for our king and our country. Now, I want to leave some questions with you. I want you to consider this message, of course. But a couple of things I would like you to just take into the presence of the Father in your quiet time, the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Spirit. I'm just going to say Elohim for short, okay? Um, and just ask him, do people recognize that I have been with Christ? Another question you might ask, where in my life am I living without the authority of Christ? <coughs> and if Christ is in me, why is my world not reflecting his government? Father, I just... 
I've done the best I can. But you, Holy Spirit, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, will do the best you can in convicting us that we might be your church, that we might be Christ in the earth. And that we would be the bride. Teach us to war. Train our hands for war, Lord. Train our arms, strengthen our arms to bend a bow of bronze. We are your people, Lord, and the sheep of your pasture. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our country. I love America. I'm thankful for America. Our borders demark freedom. Have your way here, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Now, Mike said that I could remind you that there are some ways that we can start battling. Okay? You have a heart for education? Um, Monday mornings and Wednesday mornings at 6.30 to 7.30, we've been invited to come in and pray in Parker School, if you didn't know that. And it's making a difference. The principal has noticed and has sent us a thank you. Okay? We're starting in the high school. Did that start Thursday, by the way? This coming Thursday, okay, in uh, Holly's room, 7.15, is that correct, Holly? 7.15 to 7.45, okay? Pray for our high school, okay? We have been given avenues into our schools. Let's go in with our swords, buckled up and ready to war. Every other Sunday, I missed it because I was busy. Downtown, we meet at the courthouse to walk our streets, to believe we're Joshua's. Every place upon which our feet shall tread, God is giving it to us. And there will be other hows coming, okay, to, to walk this out. But just consider this. Consider it your call-up. In Jesus' name.